Informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Ready to start a new week. Hope you had a good weekend. Weather continues to be in the news. A lot of places really stressed with the lack of moisture. We'll talk about that with DTN meteorologist Bryce Anderson, who may get rain this week as we look ahead to the next several days and also get his longer-range forecast. Some real uh, trouble spots around the world, too. Australia dealing with a lot of drought and heat. Uh, Parts of Europe. We'll get into all that with Bryce Anderson a little bit later on. John Newton, the newly named chief economist for the American Farm Bureau Federation, will join us. We're going to talk about the ag economy, the impacts of the trade issues. That'll be coming up. Steve Nicholson with Robo Research will join us. He's been in Iowa. We'll talk about uh, what he saw there as far as crops and what he heard from producers he met with last week. But right now, we'll start things off with the editor and publisher of AgriPulse Communications, Sarah Wyant. Sarah, thanks for joining us. Good morning, Mike. It's great to be with you. Should be another interesting week, and we start off with trade, and the the situation with China does not look any better. In fact, it could get worse this week. It sure sounds like it, Mike. When we hear that the Chinese are willing to slap additional tariffs on U.S. products, basically it looks like they could put a tariff from 5 to 25 percent on almost everything that we have been exporting to them. So uh, it's just a continued retaliation from the president's threat last week to put tariffs on another 200 billion of Chinese products. And so back and forth we go with trying to figure out where this might ever end. And uh, so far there doesn't seem to be a clear end in sight. And we talked about this uh, early on. You get into these things, they're more apt to escalate than back off because neither side wants to look like they're giving in. That's absolutely true. And, you know, it looks like the Chinese economy is struggling. And I think that the economic advisors for the president are betting that there's going to be enough pressure within China in order to try to keep them on track for their economic goals. Uh, that they will eventually blink in this uh, high-stakes game of chicken. But um, they have a ruler in President Xi that's uh, in for the long game, and I don't know that a lot of people are thinking he's going to blink any time as, as soon as the Trump team thinks he will. So uh, we're all kind of on the, you know, on the sidelines here watching to see who's going to have the most pressure and and be able to survive it over the long haul. And uh, right now, I think most analysts are putting their money on the Chinese. Meanwhile, it seems like, sounds like, progress is being made on the NAFTA front when it comes to U.S. and Mexico. I guess this is the way it's going to work. U.S. and Mexico maybe work out a deal, and then hopefully that brings Canada into the uh, deal at some point. Yes, and I've been saying that for some time, that it looks like the new president of Mexico is very open to getting a deal done, and there seems to be pretty good cooperation between the current government and the incoming government. And so it looks like there may be uh, finally a success story there that could perhaps leverage that success to get the Canadians to come to the table. And if you look back at some of our previous trade deals, Mike, yeah, we've used that same sort of situation where, especially like in uh, CAFTA uh, with the Central American countries, we would work with one country and then see how we can leverage that deal in with others. So I think it, 
American farmers and ranchers would feel a lot better if there would be at least one deal that's finalized in addition to South Korea. I mean, that one was good, but uh, let's get something with our main trading partners partners solved uh, and give us some kind of certainty on the trade front as we continue to try to figure out what we're doing with the Europeans and uh, China, of course, being such a big market for the U.S. Yeah, we need some good news. Uh, the Farm Bill maybe will be good news. That's going to be interesting with uh, Senate Majority Leader McConnell basically putting a, uh, you know, an aggressive timeline on getting this thing done shortly after Labor Day. There's still work to be done on that. There is, although they've reached agreement on several titles already. And I think Leader McConnell's participation on the conference committee, as well as his announcement that he wants it to have the bill done before this current one expires on September 30th, is all good news in terms of applying pressure. But of course, you know, the nutrition uh, title remains kind of the big gorilla in the room, uh, how we solve a conference committee uh, plan that will be something that can pass the Senate with 60 votes as well as pass the House. And because the two versions are so distinctly different, it's going to be really interesting to see how the negotiators can come to the table and try to find that sweet spot in between the middle. The biggest pressure on the farm bill getting done may come from the elections coming up in November. That, no doubt, will have a a big part to play in this. We're talking with Sarah Wyant, editor and publisher of AgriPulse. Sarah, interesting, uh, last week there was a big roundtable of ag leaders in North Carolina coming together from around the country, really, uh, to talk about this issue of nuisance lawsuits. And on Friday, a North Carolina federal jury returned the largest verdict against Smithfield Yet in this series of nuisance lawsuits uh, that company is facing, $473.5 million. Now, that'll be reduced down to $94 million because of a state law that caps damages. But this is becoming a, a huge issue, isn't it? It certainly is, and I think that's why you saw the leaders of the House Ag Committee, American Farm Bureau President Debbie Duvall, some of the state ag commissioners. And it's not just on hog farms. There's nuisance lawsuits on all sorts of different companies trying to fight over whether their products are actually natural or whether there might be some sort of other foreign ingredients in. And But these hog lawsuits uh, against Smithfield and their subsidiary, Murphy Brown, really hit home with folks. Uh, that kind of a, a verdict is hard for anybody to you know, stay in business after you keep hitting with some of those. And there are many more in the hopper after that one, Mike. So stay tuned. There's a lot more to come. And unless there could be, I think, a federal situation to address some of these, uh, they're not going to go away anytime soon. Yeah, the president of the National Pork Producers Council called on legislators to do something, saying these suits could put more than 46,000 people out of work and cost the state, which is the second biggest pork producing state in the country, millions of dollars in economic activity. So that's what's at stake here. Absolutely, and you can see that so many of these operations, they were in place before developments came in, and you have that, you know, back and forth between people that wanted to get out in the countryside, but they don't like what they find there. So it's a very, very difficult situation to try to solve, but uh, the state of North Carolina has put a cap on these kinds of uh, payments and damages, as you mentioned, but uh, it's it's still going to be something that is big money. Ninety million is still pretty good money for a lot of folks to be dividing up, 
and they're going to keep trying to force these lawsuits. All right, Sarah, as always, good to talk with you. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, Mike. Always a pleasure. Take care. Sarah Wyatt, editor and publisher of AgriPulse Communications. All right, coming up a little bit later, we'll talk with the chief economist for the American Farm Bureau Federation, John Newton, as we take a look at a lot of these factors impacting the ag economy. We're also going to talk crops and markets with Steve Nicholson with Robo Research. But coming up next, weather. Who got rain uh, last week, who didn't, and who may get some rain this week? A lot of areas still needing some rain. Even areas that uh, have been in pretty good shape throughout the year could use some more as we head towards harvest time. We'll get into the weather both here in this country and around the world with DTN meteorologist Bryce Anderson coming up next on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. A lot can happen in six seconds. A rodeo ride, a dramatic basketball win, and the world record holder can solve a Rubik's Cube. Six seconds is how long it takes for an 18-wheeler traveling at a safe speed to come to a complete stop. And in those six seconds, that truck will travel the length of two football fields. So please, give them room. Never cut in front of a large truck for any reason. Our roads, our safety. Learn more at sharetheroadsafely.gov. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. UVA rays age the skin, UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. I'm here to tell you that your options for getting out of debt have never been better. How do I know? Because I'm Howard Dvorkin, the founder of Consolidated Credit. For nearly two decades, we've helped over 5 million people just like you. And every time we help someone, they all say the same thing. Why didn't I call sooner? If you owe too much money on your credit cards and you feel that you'll never be able to pay it off, don't wait. Simply pick up the phone and find out what our Freedom Quest program can do for you. Reducing your payments by up to 50% is just the beginning, but you have to take the first step. When credit card debt is the problem, we're the solution. Call Consolidated Credit now. As soon as you call, 
the hard part is over. Call Consolidated Credit now. 1-800-489-7204. 1-800-489-7204. That's 1-800-489-7204. 5701 Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Licensed at management service provider, Vermont and New York Banking Departments, Maryland 49, Oregon DM80031. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, he's back from vacation. DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Bryce, hope you brought back good weather news for us. Well, it's always good, Mike, because as long as it's interesting in this business, that's that's where we want to be. That keeps people coming back for more. Yeah, well, the word interesting, that... The it's in the eyes and the ears of the beholder, I guess. Uh, some folks, it's not been very interesting for a lot of our friends in Missouri. Are just It's just been a very tough year. Any relief for them coming up this week? To start out with, unfortunately not, Mike. Uh, the uh, the scenario in I, let let me just let me just set the stage. We we've had a have and have not uh, situation in uh, most uh, major central U.S. crop areas. It's uh, that's been in place ever since uh, the start of the season back in April and May. And uh, that just continues with us uh, as we look ahead into the end of the season. Uh, the the uh, situation has not, uh, has not had any, any big change at all. And that means that uh, from uh, west central Illinois uh, through uh, northern Missouri, southeastern Iowa into northeastern Kansas, southeastern Nebraska, it is basically going to stay dry. And um, I don't see that the temperatures are going to uh, really get cooler uh, in terms of uh, the way this pattern is acting. I mean, here we are in the, the month of August. It is uh, dry. We know that dry conditions can enhance uh, a, uh, a temperature pattern. Uh, when, it, when it gets uh, warm, it uh, just kind of uh, helps to reinforce uh, that heat. And we may see temperatures... Uh, in the upper 80s to the lower 90s, uh, but it's not going to, uh, to be much uh, cooler than that. Uh, there's a chance for some rainfall over the next uh, 24 hours, but I don't think any more than maybe about a half to uh, three-quarters of an inch. And this uh, section of the uh, Corn Belt has uh, had uh, much uh, larger deficits than, uh, you know, than one shot of a half to three quarters of an inch is concerned uh, are going to, uh, you know, uh, cause any real uh, relief in terms of that. Uh, so this is a, you know, th- this pattern is going to continue that way. In fact, I know that we're talking about uh, the trade is talking about record corn production for this year. I did a little checking, and uh, if that happens, this would be the first time in the history of the drought monitor that uh, there's been a record corn crop. Uh, at a time when a, a pretty good-sized portion of the uh, western Midwest has had uh, extreme drought, in effect, uh, on the drought monitor during most of the month of July. Uh, this would be a first, so we'll see how that plays out. Yeah, a big crop would be in spite of, uh, not because of the weather, right? I mean, it's correct, a kind of correct. Fly, in, in spite of. This would, this would be the first yeah. time that there's been that kind of production when you have uh, you know a, a sector that that has uh, in in total 
over 10 percent of the uh, of the corn crop from the previous year uh, with that kind of drought. So it, uh, it it would be in some in some respects a first. You know, Bryce, uh, I was talking about this with a, a, a farmer yesterday at church. I live here in west central Illinois. Our crops are very good. Uh, we've had rain, but, you know, we don't have any surplus. I mean, we have been fortunate to get rains just about whenever, you know, right when we needed them. We'd get enough to get us by, and we've kind of been getting that way, as he called it, spoon-fed throughout the year. I mean, we've been very fortunate, but, but even here, not a real surplus of moisture by any means. No, uh, not at all. The the heaviest rains, as we know, have been uh, pretty much north of Interstate 80, uh, northern Iowa, uh, southern Minnesota, into uh, the eastern parts of uh, South Dakota, northeastern Nebraska, and then into uh, portions of uh, Wisconsin. Uh, that's where the rainfall has been focused. But um, it hasn't been uh, a, a real uh, wet season by any means. Uh, in fact, uh, back through the month of July... I was just looking at that uh, for the uh, video that I do uh, on a daily basis for the Monday video. And actually, Mike, during the month of July, uh, most or much of the Midwest had 50% or less uh, rainfall than average. And uh, there was a, a slice of uh, central Illinois around Springfield and uh, Champaign, Decatur, uh, where rainfall totals uh, were uh, about 10 to 30% above average. And then in northern Iowa, around that same uh, percentage, and then farther northwest into uh, western Minnesota, you had rainfall that was, uh, you know, almost 50% over to uh, double the average. But over quite a bit of uh, the remainder of the Midwest, it was uh, 50% or less. And, uh, you know, that, that leads to concern when you think about uh, the month of August. There's still quite a bit of uh, ground to cover yet, so to speak. Uh, pun intended, uh, in terms of uh, the rest of this growing season. And we are not alone with weather concerns. Uh, reading about the situation in Australia, it, uh, they're facing some very harsh conditions there. Yes, it is. yes they are. It, uh, the uh, situation in eastern Australia, in New South Wales, which is kind of their, their, their big uh, production area for the wheat crop, is uh, at historic uh, low levels on rainfall for the season. In fact, uh, the, uh, the international scene overall, Mike, is, is one that has more dryness than anything right now. You have eastern Australia, you have northern Europe where it's been drying out and burning up over the last uh, several weeks, eastern Ukraine, most of Russia, and then in the Canadian prairies, especially the central and western prairies, uh, Saskatchewan through Alberta, it's, uh, it's been very dry. And so that all leads to uh, the idea that uh, the world uh, grain supply or the world grain output this year, may I put it that way, is not going to be quite as good as we've seen in the last couple, three years. Yeah, cer- certainly something to keep an eye on, that's for sure. All right, uh, out west, California, battling wildfires. What kind of weather are they going to have out there? It's uh, unfortunately just going to be more of the same. Uh, this pattern that uh, has been locked in over the Midwest is continuing out in California. Uh, the Car Fire and the Ferguson Fire, Car Fire, Northern California, Ferguson Fire, Central California. Uh, you can see the smoke plumes from from uh, space on satellite imagery. Uh, there are a number of uh, areas that are under smoke advisories, and of course we know that Yosemite has had uh, that 
that uh, pretty well closed down because of the smoke problems. And uh, along with that, it's just going to stay on the very hot side. And also, Mike, farther in the northwest, the interior Pacific Northwest has heat, uh, let's see, I should say excessive heat warnings uh, for today because of how hot it's getting to be there. And that has damaged the wheat crop in Washington and Oregon pretty substantially already. Yeah, a lot of weather challenges and issues. Any one system or weather event causing this? Well, I, the, uh, the pattern uh, has been uh, pretty well set uh, for much of the season, and, and I think that uh, Jennifer Francis from Rutgers University, who's a uh, climate researcher, pretty well has described things. The jet stream has just slowed down enough that uh, the, weather, the weather systems, uh, either high pressure or low pressure, have just been kind of stuck. Uh, we've seen that uh, for much of this uh, growing season already, and it looks like uh, that this first week of August is just bringing more of the same. All right, Bryce. Well, later this month we'll be gathering in Boone, Iowa, August 28th, 29th, and 30th for the Farm Progress Show. I know you always have uh, some uh, very well-attended sessions there. I've got a feeling you'll be getting a lot of these questions about the weather during those three days. I think we will, and uh, that should be a, a real good time over in Boone for this year. And and with the uh, you know with kind of the wide range that we've got in that part of the Midwest, uh, it's going to be uh, a real good topic to think about and uh, visit with folks about. So you'll be having your seminars all three days of the Farm Progress Show. Yes, we will. We'll have a, a couple uh, each day on uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday in the morning and afternoon, right around 9:30 and around 1:30. Uh, during uh, the Farm Progress Show. And where can they find you? Uh, we will be in our in our DTN building. We're kind of on the uh, northeastern part of the grounds. Uh, we're sort of in, uh, in, in an area where there's uh, quite a few uh, grain bin, grain bin uh, producers and uh, suppliers. Uh, so, uh, you know, folks uh, want to, you know, they want to get stored up uh, for their grain, and they also want to get stored up in terms of information. So it makes for a nice combination. And we're also not too far away from what uh, usually has been a real fun stop, and that is the the uh, big ice cream uh, display uh, with the uh, two-cycle engines uh, driving the ice cream mixers. That's always a favorite stop for me. Always very popular indeed. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll keep reminding folks about that as we get closer, but it's not that far away. Farm Progress 28th, 29th, and 30th of this month. As always, good to talk with you. Good to have you back, Bryce. Thanks a lot. Yeah, thanks, Mike. You bet. DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk with the chief economist for the American Farm Bureau Federation, John Newton. A look at uh, the ag economy, the impact of the uh, trade situations, a lot of products being uh, affected by these tariffs and retaliation. We'll get into all that next on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub? They require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. Call to receive a free DVD and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,000 savings coupon, including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. 
And with bottles starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited time offer. Call Thermospas today at 800-991-5852 for your free DVD and brochure. That's 800-991-5852. Thermospas, hot tubs designed to improve your life. Call 800-991-5852 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing. For Adams on Agriculture, this is the American Ag Network with a look at your early morning grains on this Monday. Both corn and wheat continue to be up today. Drought remains a problem in northern Missouri, the southern plains, and the Pacific Northwest. IGC estimates expect significant reductions in corn exportable world-ending stocks of corn and wheat for the year. And milling wheat prices in Europe are slightly higher Monday, near four-year highs and offering bullish influence to U.S. wheat prices. Soybeans continue to be down, mainly residual effects from those tariffs announced late last week by China. Taking a look at the corn market, September corn is up one and a quarter at 371. December is up one at 385 and a quarter. September soybeans are down 11 at 880 and a half. November beans are down 11 and a half at 891. The wheat market up significantly so far this morning. September wheat in Chicago is up 15 and a half at 571 and three quarters. Kansas City wheat for September is up 14 at 581 even. And Minneapolis wheat September is up 13 and a quarter. December is up 13 and a half. On the livestock markets, the cattle market is down this morning. The hog market is up, which is a little bit of a surprise. The early morning guess was that the hog markets would be down. But as we look at the cattle, feedlot managers demonstrated superior cash leverage late Friday, forcing uh, short-bought packers to spend a dollar to $2 more for cattle. The feeder cattle prices so far this morning for September down 90 at 152.12. Live cattle for October down 42 at 111.57. October hogs, though, are up 75 at 51.52. And December hogs are up 57 at 46.72. For Adams on Agriculture, this is the American Ag Network. We paid less for our Craftmatic today than we did 20 years ago. If you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and free information on today's Craftmatic adjustable beds. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Rated number one by consumers nationwide on ConsumerAffairs.com. Craftmatic beds come in all mattress types, including cool gel memory foam for up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Enjoy temporary relief of low back pain, poor circulation, nighttime heart for a mild arthritis. You'll sleep better in a Craftmatic adjustable bed. So if you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and information. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Discover Craftmatic for less, up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Call 1-800-318-7903. That's 1-800-318-7903. 1-800-318-7903. Call now. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. And welcome back. We're going to talk about the ag economy with the newly named chief economist for the American Farm Bureau Federation, John Newton. John, thanks for joining us. Congratulations. Thanks a lot. Thanks for the opportunity to join you. It is uh, it's an honor to represent the American Farm Bureau in this new role. 
Well, we have a lot to talk about. I want to get your thoughts on the ag economy. We've, we've talked a lot about the tariffs and trade wars and retaliation, uh, but the, it seems like we're starting to see this touch more and more areas now. Uh, it looks like in the latest retaliation, China will be imposing tariffs on uh, a number of products. And we look at that list, uh, and it, it could be a, a big one here. Hops, maple syrup, whey protein, frozen corn, margarine, shortening, peanuts, ginseng, packaged foods for infants and young children. We're seeing uh, reports of uh, this, all these trade problems causing uh, issues for the U.S. hide skins and leather industry, also for kidney beans. I mean, my point is we're starting to see this grow and expand, and more people are starting to be touched by it and feeling the impact of it. Yeah, you're exactly right. When you look at just where net farm income is in the United States, uh, 2018 is projected at $58.5 billion. Uh, that's down nearly 50% from what we saw just a few years ago. Uh, and the trade concerns that we're hearing now certainly start to impact uh, not just soybeans, but the rest of the agricultural supply chain. Uh, we look at the, the motivation for this is really all about the trade deficit. Uh, the U.S. has a trade deficit uh, each year of over about $500 billion. But when you look for agriculture specifically, we've had a trade surplus uh, since the 70s. And, and in 2018, we're going to have a trade surplus of about $23 billion. That's what USDA projects. So in this tariff tip for tax trade war, uh, countries are going after the agricultural products first because that's the area where we do have this trade surplus. And so now it's not just the, the farmer raising soybeans or the dairy farmer milking cows, but it's upstream the supply chain. Uh, more of the finished goods are also going to be impacted. Uh, so farmers are ultimately going to end up feeling the squeeze uh, all along the supply chain, not only on what they sell their commodities for, what their what their customers can sell the finished goods for, and then on their input side. They're going to see higher prices for farm machinery, uh, grain bins. They can see higher higher prices for some of their crop protection services, all because of this, this tit-for-tat trade war. It's a, it's a cloud hanging over farmers as we go into harvest, uh, some of them already facing a pretty tough harvest because of bad weather. Some already having to try to salvage what they can out of some fields even now. Others even they're looking at better crops, uh, probably looking at storage and, and waiting and hoping for higher prices if they can hang on. Uh, but it doesn't look real positive going in uh, to harvest, does it, John? Well, you're exactly right. You talk about the weather. Let's, let's talk about the southwest. Uh, while cotton has, has been a rock star this past year, those growers down in southwest Texas and, and other parts that have been experiencing a drought while they've had some rain in recent weeks, uh, the abandonment rate for cotton can be pretty high. So some of those growers are going to be feeling not only the pain of the tariff, but also having a, a shorter crop. Uh, and then, you know, we had, a, we had a group of folks over in China that did a trade mission a couple weeks ago. Uh, and one of the interesting points that, that they came back and they sat down with Chinese buyers the Chinese companies actually said, we can do without U.S. beans. Uh, and a lot, of, a lot of companies say, we can at least do without U.S. beans until, until December. So I think there's a whole lot of uncertainty. Uh, certainly farmers will be storing that crop and watching this trade uh, unfold in, in the coming months. But, but uh, now is not the time to be forward selling uh, soybeans, in my opinion. You know, I, I've heard stories of... Uh those in the in the bin building industry you know a lot of orders to build grain bins uh anticipating farmers storing but on the other hand uh, you get these steel tariffs that that impacts that business too makes those even cost more 
right. It's, it's impacting, uh, like I said earlier, not only the, the prices for the products that we receive, but, but the input cost. Uh, that could put the squeeze on farmers. If their costs go up at the same time that prices are going down, uh, that's, that's definitely a concerning situation. Uh, the other aspect is what is this going to do to land values? Uh, so if we start to see asset values decline or deteriorate uh, at a time when farm debt's at record levels and farm prices are falling, we could get into uh, a very slippery situation really, really fast, almost a, a perfect storm scenario. And while USDA uh, did come out with a trade mitigation announcement of about $12 billion, uh, that's a temporary assistance, and, and this could be uh, much longer-term damage to our markets. We're talking with the chief economist for the American Farm Bureau Federation, John Newton. Well, John, all that being said, this is probably not the best time to ask this question, but I will anyway. Uh, I mean, we've had you know quite an extended time now of a down cycle in the ag economy. When do you see it pulling out? When do we start coming out of this? Well, you know, I think a lot of it really depends on, on uh, Mother Nature. And quite frankly, if we can move past these trade uh, disagreements and, and restore those markets, uh, show the rest of the world that we can get a deal done, I think we can do that uh, with Mexico in the coming months, to show them that we can get a deal done and that we're a reliable supplier uh, to the world of high-quality agricultural products, then, then bright spots uh, will be easy to be had in the future. Uh, I think that's that's the key is to continue to build uh, that market access around the world. I know that uh, Undersecretary McKinney travels quite a bit uh, trying to open new markets for U.S. agricultural producers. They talk a lot about uh, India. They talk a lot about Vietnam. They talk a lot about Africa uh, as places that, that we could eventually be uh, a top supplier in these markets. So I think that's, that's ultimately the key. Uh, we know that the administration... Uh, wants to resolve these issues. Uh, we think we're close on NAFTA with Mexico. We think Canada would, would follow soon after that. Uh, but the China issues are an issue. When you talk to uh, USTR, they they will tell you immediately that this is a longer-term uh, conversation with China. We hope that they can sit down uh, at the table and begin to, to make some agreements. Uh, there was some optimism last week that maybe they'd sit down by the end of July uh, but their ongoing uh, tariff announcements uh, certainly complicate uh, the scenario going forward. But, but at the end of the day, uh, being able to sell our products, uh, trade, not aid, is what I think a lot of farmers across America want. John, how much more downside risk do you see in these markets, or has it pretty much been factored in now? Uh, you know, I, I, you know, I think the, the trade cake has been baked uh, for the most part, but there's certainly still – uh, downside potential. Uh, when you think about uh, what what the good to excellent ratings, I know a lot of folks discount those good to excellent ratings because it's not survey based. Uh, but we're looking at really good crops across the Corn Belt and in the Southeast. Uh, you, we could potentially see soybean yields move up from that 48 and a half bushel projection. Now, uh, corn yields could move up from that 174, 175 projection. We'll see that maybe at the end of this week in the USDA report. And I think if we see those crop yields move up. Uh, and, and we see further deterioration in, in the consumption side, we could see ending stocks increase and more downside risk uh, going forward. Uh, it's certainly possible. But I think if the, the administration can show that we can get a deal done, uh, specifically with Mexico soon, and know that we're going to sit down at the table with China, there's, there's certainly optimism on the horizon. And I have to ask you about dairy because I know you're very involved uh, in these talks uh, that 
uh, Mike, working I don't know on. anything about there. I don't know what. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're very much involved in, the, in this new dairy uh, revenue insurance uh, uh, program. Are you anywhere close to being able to start telling us any uh, details on that yet? Uh, you know, we we talk to USDA on a regular basis. We're we're hopeful that we'll be able to pull the covers back on this thing this week, uh, where USDA will post uh, the policy and all the information on their website. Uh, once once that's done, then we'll be able to, to really dig into the details about this new product. Uh, we're certainly real excited. We're, we're hopeful that uh, it'll be on the market sometime this fall. There's certainly a lot of interest uh, from, the, from the dairy farmers that we've talked to, from the crop insurance agents uh, that we've talked to, wanting to offer this product to the dairy space. Uh, so we're very, very excited. Hopefully USDA will, like I said, pull the curtains back this week. Okay, we'll be watching for that. You and I have talked about this before. Uh, what are you are you modeling this after crop insurance or uh, kind of what would it be similar to? Well, it, it is. I think when we you know we've been doing this for for over uh, a year now, working with uh, American Farm Bureau Insurance Services to develop this new, new product. Um, we were going through the, the development phase. We looked at the crop insurance space and recognized that uh, revenue-based policies are the most widely used. Uh, there are revenue-based policies for all major field crops. There were, there were price-based policies for pork and cattle, uh, but dairy didn't have anything like that. And so we really wanted to try to replicate the success from the crop insurance space for the dairy sector. All the tools that dairy had before the development of dairy revenue protection uh, were margin-based instruments, which meant they protected against uh, rising feed costs as well as lower milk prices. Uh, but again, those were all based on U.S. average milk prices, and we recognized that every single farmer in the U.S. gets a different price for milk. Uh, based on the components in the milk or where they're located in the utilization of milk in their market. So we crafted uh, Dairy RP to be able to replicate that. We're real excited uh, for the component-based pricing option as well as the class pricing option because we think it will allow farmers to, to better tailor uh, their USDA risk management support programs to what's happening on their farm. Well, we'll look forward to those details and look forward to having you back on to talk about it. Thanks, John, for being with us. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Anytime. Take care, John. John Newton, Chief Economist for the American Farm Bureau Federation. All right, we're going to talk more about the markets coming up in our next segment with Steve Nicholson with uh, Robo Research. Steve has spent some time in Iowa this past week talking with growers. want to find out uh, what he saw crop uh, condition-wise in Iowa and also what he heard from uh, producers in, in that state. And we'll get his thoughts on the markets and what does he think about the further downside risk in these markets is it all this trade negative trade talk pretty well factored in or could still put even more pressure on we'll get his thoughts coming up next and a reminder one week from today i'll be in sedalia missouri at the missouri state fair broadcasting from the missouri farm bureau building and if you're going to be at the fair next monday i hope you'll stop by and see us we'll be talking with missouri director of ag chris chin as well as uh, uh fair manager mark wolf and farm bureau president blake hurst so i hope you'll join us next monday stay with us on aoa if you or your family love the freedom of swimming any time of year if you love sharing good times and making great memories or if you want one of the best total body workouts ever then it's time to discover the three c's of your very own endless pool the first C is convenience. Imagine swimming year-round in your own private swimming pool, installed indoors or out, just steps away.
The second C is comfort. With sculpted spa seats and your own adjustable temperature, you can easily escape the stress of your day. And the third C is cost. Your endless pool is an affordable luxury at a fraction of the cost of a regular pool. And here's a bonus C, choice. Because when you call for your free endless pool idea kit, you'll receive information on our full line of pools to suit your budget and location. Call now for your free information, 800-717-0734, 800-717-0734. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow, And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat, I would flip-flop all night long, I'd wake up with a sore neck or maybe a headache, or I'd feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. Well, when I invented my pillow, I wanted it so you could adjust the pad and fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster and you will stay there longer. It's not how much time we spend in bed, it's how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all my own manufacturing in my home state of Minnesota. I have a 10-year warranty and you can wash and dry my pillow and here's my best offer ever. That's right, get 50% off the four-pack of two premium my pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. To order, go to MyPillow.com or call 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. Get 50% off the four-pack of two premium pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. Call 800-871-7280 or go to MyPillow.com and use promo code FARM11. A lot can happen in six seconds. A rodeo ride, a dramatic basketball win, and the world record holder can solve a Rubik's Cube. Six seconds is how long it takes for an 18-wheeler traveling at a safe speed to come to a complete stop. And in those six seconds, that truck will travel the length of two football fields. So please, give them room. Never cut in front of a large truck for any reason. Our roads, our safety. Learn more at sharetheroadsafely.gov. I'm here to tell you that your options for getting out of debt have never been better. How do I know? Because I'm Howard Dvorkin, the founder of Consolidated Credit. For nearly two decades, we've helped over five million people just like you. And every time we help someone, they all say the same thing. Why didn't I call sooner? If you owe too much money on your credit cards and you feel that you'll never be able to pay it off, don't wait. Simply pick up the phone and find out what our Freedom Quest program can do for you. Reducing your payments by up to 50% is just the beginning, but you have to take the first step. When credit card debt is the problem, we're the solution. Call Consolidated Credit now. As soon as you call, the hard part is over. Call Consolidated Credit now. 1-800-489-7204. 1-800-489-7204. That's 1-800-489-7204. 5701 Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Licensed debt management service provider, Vermont and New York Banking Departments, Maryland 49, Oregon DM80031. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day. Because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. 
Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. Thousands of people contact InventHelp monthly about their invention or new product. Do you think companies would be interested in your idea? Do you want to try to get a patent? Call InventHelp now. Best of all, the call and information are free. InventHelp keeps your idea confidential, explaining every step of the invention process. Join people just like you who made the call to InventHelp. You have nothing to lose. The call and the information are free. Call 800-352-1402. That's 800-352-1402. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. All right, let's talk crops and weather and markets with Steve Nicholson, grains and oilseed analyst for Rabo Research. Steve, thanks for joining us. I know you spent some time uh, with folks in Iowa last week. Uh, how did the crops look? Well, good morning, Mike. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, generally pretty good. Now, I, you know, we'll let's take kind of a tour around the state. Uh, drove from St. Louis all the way up to Iowa City, and as you can as you come north, it just got better. Um, you know, I was prepared to see a, a, some, you know, some pretty tough stuff, but really, I would say, you know, you did see the irrigators work in southeast Iowa. Um, it was dry there, and but they were watering it, so that's a good thing. And as you got closer to Iowa City. And as you went north of Iowa City, you know, all the way up into Cedar Falls and that area, it just got better and better. And I would say, that again, northeast Iowa was kind of the garden spot of Iowa. Uh, crops looked tremendous there. As you went west of there over toward, you know, kind of what I would say kind of between Ames and the border, you saw things got better there as well. Uh, folks in that area north of Ames definitely said that their crops would be better than they were a year ago. Uh, they're not sure the state average will be better than a year ago, uh, which I, I see that. Um, then we went west a little farther then back into what I would say. We didn't go into far, far northeast Iowa, northwest Iowa. Now, up in that area, they had very heavy rains in early June. So a lot of areas there, they're concerned about washouts. Um, they saw, you know, they've got holes in the fields, that sort of thing. So, and, they, and they've seen some wind damage up through there as well. Uh, crops that got, you know, beat up um, during that storm. So I think that area, maybe not as good as it was a year ago, um, and probably just, you know, just going to go to those places where you get, you know, you'll get two 250 bushel corn, and then you'll have a spot that will have no corn, you know, no yield. So I think that's an issue. But I think the biggest, I think if I was, the biggest area or concern is if you kind of took Des Moines as the apex of a triangle and shot it back in southwest Iowa, that's where it's very dry. Now, that typically is a dry part of the state, uh, but it is very dry. It was very warm when we were there, and they've had some crop down through there, particularly corn. I'm speaking mostly corn. You know, looks a little rough down through there. But as you come out of Des Moines back toward the southeast part of the state, you know, crops in that south, you know, southeast of Des Moines still look pretty good until you get um, start getting south of Mount Pleasant. It gets a little rougher through there. But southwest Iowa is probably where my biggest concern is going forward. You know, the beans all looked really good, uh, but, of course, as we know, August is bean month, so we'll see what they come. 
I would say they could use some rain. Um, there was, it would be good if they could get a good inch of rain, you know, widespread across the state, particularly that southwestern Iowa. Uh, that would do a wonder for their crop. But, you know, generally, you know, could it be a crop like they saw last year? I think very could very well be a crop, you know, national, you know, average there in Iowa than what they saw last year, despite all the issues they had last year with dryness in that central Iowa area. So Earlier we were talking with uh, D. Yep. With DTN's uh, meteorologist, Bryce Anderson, and Bryce made an interesting point. He said, if we hit some of these national projections on overall crop size, it'll, it'll, be, it'll really be amazing because to, to produce that kind of a crop in spite of the weather conditions and as much <laughs> of the country, you know, showing up in the drought monitor map, uh, never before have we seen these kind of adverse conditions that could and still wind up maybe producing the kind of crop we may produce. Well, Bryce makes a good point. I mean, you, you know, we think back at how we started the spring and it's like, my goodness, we didn't, you know, this crop, we didn't get in because it was so wet and cold early and then it got hot immediately. And, and every comment was that the crop has caught up to where it should be. And in some cases, it's probably two weeks ahead of normal. So, you know, you also then eliminate throw that frost scare and do you get an early frost and, oh, gosh, the crop's late. But, you know, we're we're far ahead in corn um, probably to avoid, you know, potential for early frost. But, you know, and I said this last year, and, I, and I, it just was amazing to me. I remember dropping my jaw on the ground a couple times last year when we got the 176 national average, thinking how dry it was in central Iowa and, you know, you know, all the issues we had last year, and you think it's just amazing we can continue to produce crops under fairly, you know, can be what might be considered pretty adverse weather conditions in some areas. So I don't see a reason why we can't produce another large crop again this year. Is it a 180 crop? You know, I think there's a lot of people feel the trade's trading a 180 crop. I don't know that my head is at a 180 crop, but I certainly don't come away, you know, kind of making the loop through Iowa, you know, extremely um, – bullish because it's you know the crops and you know in disaster there but there's you know there's certainly going to be some areas that are that have been you know affected by weather adversely whether it was early on whether it was later on you know very heavy rains in, in parts of iowa you know eight to twelve inches and then of course you had the tornadoes that came through and i saw some evidence of that where the you know the cornfields are just literally look like you know bigfoot came through and just walked right on top of that field and there's nothing left i mean it's all sitting on the ground but you know, and you have that every year, but it, it's not doesn't look like a doesn't look like a 2012 drought by any stretch of the imagination. Okay, Steve, real quick, uh, with yep. the scenario that we have now, if we have overall a pretty good sized crop and we still don't have any relief from these uh, trade issues, uh, what's yep. our downside risk in this market? Is, is all this kind of factored in now, or is there still more that could be uh, more pressure to be put on here? Yeah. It's a great question, and I will. We did. I did some work before I went to Iowa. Looked at you know, look at that stocks to use uh, price curve based looking at December futures and November futures. And as of now, this has been a, you know before I went to Iowa, so we're talking about a week ago, and I haven't really caught up with being gone. But I would tell you that the markets were trading at a discount to where I thought they should be fundamentally. And so I think in that case, we saw. I think we believe there was probably ten. A 20 cent discount on corn that still has upside potential there. Beans have made up a lot of the deficit they had earlier in the year, and they were only probably 20, 30 cents below where they should be based on the fundamentals. So I do think there's still a little upside left, and this is board numbers. These are not cash numbers. So this is 
these contract and November contract for beans. So I think there's some upside here. I think a lot of the trade factor is 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 worked in. You know, beans are going to find their way to China, uh, Mexico, right, wrong, or different. You know, they're we're probably we're linked at the hips, and so it's important for both of us to right. figure this out. Uh, and there are you know there are talks going on, uh, whether they're formal or behind the you know behind the scenes. Right. Uh, to get these, to get both the China tariff issues resolved, along with NAFTA and Mexico resolved. So, I, I do think we have a little upside. I think a lot of that is worked in at this point. Okay, Steve. Thanks. Good information. We appreciate it. Thank you. No problem. Thanks, Mike. Good to talk to you. Grains and oilseed analyst for Rumble Research, Steve Nicholson. That'll do it for today. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day, everyone. This is AOA Adams on Agriculture.